Is this the year you want to grow your business? Do you want to expand your team? Build a new office? Hey, it's Tug, and I want to tell you about First Liberty Building and Loan. Aren't you exhausted by going to lenders, building a relationship, and a week later, you're dealing with a new person? You won't have to with First Liberty Building and Loan. The Frost family has been helping businesses grow since the 90s, and they can help you too. They know the patterns, they know the ebbs and flows, and they know business. Now the Frost family wants to know you. FirstLibertyGA.com. Buying a building, building a building, buying a franchise, or expanding. Reach out and spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a fit for them and if they're a fit for you. FirstLibertyGA.com. By the way, if you're a young banker and you want to work with a team that's faith-friendly with a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to First Liberty Building and Loan at FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com. Six. afternoon Braves fans welcome to another episode of the 643 podcast with yours truly Dylan Short brought to you by 680 the fan and the Dickey Broadcasting Company you can find the 643 podcast and all of the other podcasts from your favorite 680 the fan hosts like Matt Chernoff who pulls double duty on the podcast network or Kevin McAlpin's the Frozen Rope Report or Chris Domino Dan Matthews Chuck Oliver the list goes on and on and on and on just go to the podcastpark.com and you can find like subscribe to all of your favorite favorite podcast on whatever your favorite podcasting medium is and you can you know leave a nice little review i don't i don't want to say it's a competition between the 680 the fan host but hey we're very competitive in, in radio so whoever your favorite host is go and download their podcast and leave a couple reviews and let them know how much you appreciate them for us here today though Tuesday was riding high. It was the trade deadline and it was a crazy crazy trade deadline. There was a lot to go over there. Um not just for the Braves, but for Major League Baseball as a whole, as the Padres just pushed every single chip in and said, burn this farm system. Uh, Michael Jordan F them kids. And we'll see what happens as they got Juan Soto, Josh Bell, Josh Hader, uh, Brandon Drury. And those guys made a mark pretty much right away. Brandon Drury hit a grand slam in his first at bat for San Diego. As the Padres are looking to kind of upset the balance of power in the NL West. I don't know if they're going to catch the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers are pretty safe with their lead. But right now, the Padres are a team you're looking at saying, hmm, really don't want to play them in a wild card round. And unfortunately, that's kind of who the Braves are right now going to be looking at playing is uh, you got to play the Padres in the first round. Now, I think the Padres are still a very good, I think they're a very good roster. I think going and having to face in succession any order of Fernando Tatis, Juan Soto, Manny Machado, even Brandon Drury this year, Josh Bell can swing the bat. They've got some sticks. Uh, I'm Their starting rotation is pretty good. I love you, Darvish. I wanted you, Darvish, in Atlanta for the longest time. I still do just because I love you, Darvish, and I would love for Atlanta to kind of open up the Japanese pipeline again. 
I know it didn't work with Kenshin Kawakami, but I really, really, really want Roki Sasaki. And I think with the way that the Braves are going now, I don't think any player is going to be out of reach financially for the Braves anymore. We'll get to that in a little bit here. Um, but I like what the Padres did. I think that they're a real force. And I think they're going to be big time trouble for a lot of teams, at least offensively in the playoffs. Uh, the Mets, obviously, I make fun of the Mets. They didn't really do anything at the deadline. I thought the Braves trade deadline was better. I, Darren Ruff doesn't really move the needle. Darren Ruff and Dan Vogelbach are, you know, they're okay. Um, but Darren Ruff and, uh, and, and J.D. Davis, who they shipped out along with three mid-lower prospects to get Darren Ruff, are essentially the same hitter. Uh, 119 OPS plus against left against uh, I believe it was against lefties. Uh, so not exactly something that that I thought moved the needle. Vogelbach's been good for them. He's going to be their primary DH. Tyler Naquin is a backup outfielder. Um, which honestly, knowing Buck Showalter, uh, he might end up not using Naquin correctly because Mark Canna has reverse splits. We'll see what happens there. They didn't add really any good relievers, didn't add any starters. So I thought I actually thought the Mets were pretty underwhelming. For a team that talked a big game about who all they were going to add, they didn't add anything but bench pieces. But I've said all season long that I didn't think that this was the same type of Mets team. I think they're a much better team than typical Mets fan and typical Mets teams are. And I, I think they still have a really good roster. They got Jacob DeGrom back, who looked really good, and hilariously the Mets still managed to blow it. Um more on that because there's a really good matchup happening in this Braves Mets. There's a couple really good matchups happening in this Braves Mets series um, that Jacob DeGrom will be featured in as well. But all in all, I thought the Braves trade trade deadline was better. I didn't think the Braves really needed to do much anyway. Robbie Grossman gets to platoon with Eddie Rosario, who's been swinging the bat a lot better lately. Results haven't really been there, but he's hitting the ball a lot harder. You saw it last night. Uh, he got rewarded a couple times. He's He's been looking much, much better. Uh, Robbie Grossman really crushes lefties and even against righties. I don't really know. He's, he's never been great against right-handers, but pretty much everybody in Detroit this year has been abysmal. So I don't know how much you can take from a Detroit Tigers position player right now. Comerica is comically bad trying to hit in and it just hasn't worked out for him there. Just like it hasn't worked out for any Tigers hitter. Um, Robbie Grossman announced him, his presence in Atlanta with a ring and double off the wall. And it wasn't even against a lefty pitcher. So that was nice. Uh, I think the Braves, did a really good job. And I think Rysel Iglesias, which that move happened after I finished recording because you knew Alex was going to get something in that wasn't going to be reported until the de the deadline was actually over. Rysel Iglesias for Tucker Davidson. Uh, was it Tucker Davidson and Jesse Chavez? I thought that was a brilliant move. If you look at Rysel Iglesias, his surface stats aren't going to be very impressive. You'd be looking at him saying, oh, man, he's actually – he's." He's pitching a lot worse this year than I expected him to. Uh, he, he really isn't, isn't performing that well. Why would you go and get a reliever who's got a lot of control underneath him, uh, who's owed a good bit of money, and who really hasn't been performing? Well, you know, the Angels aren't not, are not a great defensive team at all. They've had a lot of issues uh, offensively. And I'll, I'll forgive you for thinking that Rysel Iglesias hasn't had a good season. When you dig a little bit deeper on it... When you dig a little bit deeper on Rysel, what you'll find is he's still putting up really good numbers on a stat cast page. He's in the first percentage for barrel percentage, which is bad, but you notice his average exit velocity is right in the middle. His hard hit is the 70th percentile, and he really isn't giving up any home runs, which means that a lot of his contact is coming on the ground. And that's what you really, really want to see. Most of his, you see most of his barrels, when, when people are barreling him up, they're hitting it on the ground. And that's what you want to see. Now, when you look at him, We've seen him all the way back when he was with the Reds, when he was one of these guys that I really thought Tuki Toussaint, who was also with the Angels, I really felt like if you were to, to 
just throw Tukey into the bullpen and say, here, you're a reliever now, have at it. I thought that you would be able to get Tukey Toussaint to become a Rysel Iglesias type. But with Rysel, you look at his numbers for the season, over 12 strikeouts per nine, two, about two and a quarter walks per nine. Uh, the 66 or 30% ground ball percentage actually does show that he's been giving up a, a fair bit of fly balls, uh, but his home run percentage has actually been higher uh, in LA than it was in Cincinnati, which is a little bit odd. Um, but he's a guy that's sitting at a 404 ERA, but you go a little bit deeper, 317 FIP, 306 XFIP. He's been pretty unlucky this season, and I think that's what you're going to see with Rysel Iglesias in Atlanta. I don't think he's going to be the primary closer. I still think it's going to be Kenley Jansen, but with Rysel, you get a guy that you can move all over. He can pitch. He's pitched multiple innings plenty of times throughout his career. He's a former starter. He's got three pitches in that repertoire. You can use him in the sixth inning, or you can use him as a setup guy. And I think that I think that Rysel Iglesias would have been an upgrade anyway. And I think if all you're giving up is Jesse Chavez and Tucker Davidson, even though I love Tucker Davidson, uh, if you guys have been following me since my TPS days, you know that Doc and I were probably the first ones really on Tucker Davidson all the way back at the back end of 2018 into the start of 2019. We were really high on Tucker Davidson. It just hasn't worked for him at the big league level. And unfortunately, he'd really been passed up. He'd been passed up by Kyle Muller. He'd probably been passed up by Waskar Noah. Freddie Tarnock was on his way to moving past him. Jerry, Jared Schuster was as well. So he didn't really have much of a spot here. So I liked that they sent him to the Angels where he's going to get opportunities in that rotation. He gets to go and pair up with Reed Detmers and maybe learn a little bit from Reed Detmers as well. I love Tucker. He's a fantastic guy, and I wish him the all the best in the world. Jesse Chavez has been really good for the Braves, but we've seen this from Jesse before. You'll get a good month or two out of him, and then he'll go back to being Jesse Chavez. So I like upgrading him before you get to the, him turning back into a pumpkin part. And with Luke Jackson being out for the season, Colin McHugh, who has been pretty good this year, uh, not necessarily in close games, but has been really good for most of the season, bumping him back down and having a Glacius slot in is either probably the number two righty right behind Kenley Jansen. I'm a big fan of that. Now, who's going to be the one to get, uh, who's going to get sent down? I think it's going to be Jackson Stevens. Somebody in that bullpen is going to have to go down. I don't think you're sending down Dylan Lee. He's been excellent this year. You know, allowed a run yesterday, but Braves and day games and series finales, they never really mix well. Uh, but Dylan Lee has been phenomenal all season long, and I don't think you're going to leave yourself with just A.J. Minter as a lefty in the bullpen. I just, I don't see that happening. Uh, I, I think that that would be kind of a bad move. And I, I think Dylan Lee has earned it to stay in that bullpen this year. And I think that's what they're going to do. They don't really have another lefty down below who's going to come up. And I think I love what Jackson Stevens has done this year. I love his stat cast page. And I'm sure somebody's going to pick him up if the Braves DFA him. But unfortunately, if you're talking about upgrading players, Rysel Iglesias is an upgrade over Jackson Stevens. And the name of the game is getting better. So I'm a big fan of the Rysel Iglesias ad. I think that that's got an opportunity to pay big dividends for this team come the postseason time. And maybe even if Kenley ends up faltering or is hurt a little bit, Rysel is a guy who's very familiar with closing. I think that's a big-time move. Well done, Alex Anthopoulos, on that front. Now, just to the game last night, I did mention that the Braves did not perform well late. They ended up losing 3-1 to in the two-game series finale that also happened to be a day game, which essentially meant you just knew the Braves were going to lose anyway. Uh, Braves did pretty good for most of that game. They carried a one nothing lead up until uh, Dylan Lee came in, and Dylan Lee allowed a run, or at least a run that was charged to him. Colin McHugh came in behind him and, and gave up the lead. That ended up being 3-1, to where I thought Charlie Morton was absolutely fantastic dueling against Zach Wheeler, who... 
I know we don't talk about Zach Wheeler quite as much because, you know, there's a heck of a lot of great pitchers uh, in, in the National League and in the NL East anyway. But I really feel like we do a big disservice to Zach Wheeler. He just doesn't get enough talk about really how good of a pitcher he is. He's 32 years old. I would have absolutely loved having him on the Braves. But 120 innings for him this year. He's got now strikeout percentage is is under 10. It's over 9. It's about 9.5. Walks are under 2. Just a phenomenal pitcher with his location. Uh, he is actually sitting at 269, 285, 309. 3.4 F4, uh, coming off of last season where he ended up with a 7.3 F4. Uh, I felt he was he was the only true contender against Corbin Burns to be able to win a Cy Young. He's been he's been outstanding and he's done very good work against the Braves. You kind of know what you're going to get with him early on. He's got a sinker that he can run up to 100. He's got a nasty curve. And yesterday, I thought the Braves did about as well as you could expect off them. They got five hits. They got a run. That run came on a home run from Orlando Arcia, who has been performing really well lately. Love to see that from Orlando. He went two for three with that homer yesterday. Uh, you did, like I mentioned, you got Robbie Grossman in the game, and he rewarded you with a double. I think that that's going to be a very good pickup, especially come postseason time. Uh, but I think overall, when you look at Charlie Morton, this was a really, really encouraging start against a lineup that just saw him last time out as well. And we've seen it with Spencer. I talked about it with Spencer Strider, how it can be kind of difficult to face a team twice in a week. They know what you're looking to do. They, they just got done preparing for you. So however the results the first time went, that's another bit of super recent uh, playing against you they have that they can kind of draw on. And Charlie went six and two-thirds, only allowed three hits and only one walk with eight strikeouts. I thought he was fantastic. I thought it was one of his best starts of the season. And that's just another thing where Charlie has looked so much better here lately. And it's coming on at the right time. Because while the Braves are down three and a half games to the Mets, you start a five-game and four-day set with the Mets, where if the Braves win this series... If they, let's say they take two out of three games, you're going to end up being, uh, you're going to end up still being two and a half games. You're only going to pick up a game, but you win four to one. All of a sudden, you're looking much, much better. And lo, and if you sweep the Mets, you take you take full sole possession of first place. Now, it is not going to be easy because this is going to be a really, really tough weekend matchup. There are some great matchups for this series tonight. You're going to get. Uh, you're going you're gonna to get a pretty good matchup tonight. You're going to get Kyle Wright versus Carlos Carrasco. Kyle Wright hasn't been quite as dominant, I've mentioned before, hasn't had the strikeout stuff that he was showing early in the season, but it's because he's adjusted his game. He's been throwing a lot more of that sinker than his four-seam, and he's been, he's been letting the defense work for him, and he's completely adjusted to, hey, I'm not getting quite as much swing and miss, so why don't I just work deep into games and get ground balls? And it's rewarded him with an ERA of 293 and 122 and two-thirds innings, only 36 walks with 120 strikeouts. That's a 115 whip. Been outstanding. Anytime Kyle Wright's on the hill, you feel pretty good. Now, Carlos Carrasco's been pretty good this year himself. About, about a 3.8, 3.79 ERA. Whips a 1-3-1. 108 strikeouts and 111 and two-thirds innings. He's had 30 walks in those 111 and two-thirds innings. So, I think tonight should be a good matchup. Carrasco's done good against the Braves. He's also done bad. Now, what the Braves starters know going into this series, and what I think makes the Mets such a bigger challenge than they were in seasons before is you do have to really bear down and go to work for a, your six innings. If you get six innings out of your starter against the Mets, it's a tough six innings. They take a lot of pitches. They foul off a lot of pitches. They will make you work. And I still don't think that they're a great offense. Yes, Pete Alonso can drop bombs, but they're not an offense that scares me, really. 
I'm not going to be fooled by what they did against what's left of Washington. Uh, I'm, I'm just not that frightened by that lineup. I think they have some pieces that on the right frame, the right day, can drop a lot of runs on you. But as, as opposed to the Braves lineup, where the Braves lineup is a genuinely frightening lineup for opposing pitchers because at any point in this Braves lineup, they can just crush you. And that's not, that's not really what you get with the Mets. You look at them, and the way they stack up with the Braves, they're 16th in homers as opposed to the Braves at 2nd. But the difference is much more stark. The Braves as a team have 161 homers. The Mets have 106. Slugging percentage, Braves are 3rd at a 4.42. Mets are 10th at a 4.07. On base percentage, the, the Mets are 3rd compared to the Braves 16th, but the Mets are at 3.28 where the Braves are at 3.13. Not that large of a gap there. Hits, the Mets are, not, are at 6th with 911. The Braves are 8th with 888. Runs scored, Braves are 3rd at 500. Mets 5th at 492. And batting average, I don't care about batting average at all. It's much more about what you do with your at-bats and, and contact and how much of it you make. But the Mets are 5th at a 257. The Braves 10th at a 249. On the pitching side of things, very, very close. Very, very similar in a lot of your areas. ERA, not the best stat, really. I still prefer using uh, I still prefer using FIP or really Sierra. Sierra is my favorite to use because that's skill interactive. That that adjusts for park factors and everything else that FIP doesn't really. FIP just kind of takes into account the defense behind you and averages the defense out. Um, but for, for the, the Mets, they're fifth with a 356. Braves are sixth with a 357. Whip, Mets are fifth with a 118. Braves are seventh with a 121. Walks. Mets are 14th with a 291. Braves are 21st with a 335. Now, that's a big gap there. Now, a lot of that is whether it's Ian Anderson or a lot of the struggles from the guys trying to take that fifth starter role. And some of the guys in the bullpen will walk you as well. Strikeouts. Here's a big one as well. Mets are third with 982. Braves are first with over 1,000, 1,009 batting average against. Again, don't really care as much about batting average. I care much more about OBP and slugging and OPS. Um... Mets are sixth with a 233. Braves are fourth, 229. Runs against. Mets are fourth at 390. Braves are seventh at 410. Homers allowed. Big differential here as well. Mets are 16th at 114. Braves, 88. That's good for second in the league. I am a lot higher on this Braves team, and there's no other way to really say it other than the Braves are just, they're just a better roster. Now, that doesn't mean that they're going to win. It doesn't mean that they're the best matchup against the Mets. I happen to think... Um, there's some other extraneous circumstances, you know, such as like getting Jacob DeGrom back that complicates matters. And I think in a postseason series, telling me that you have to go up against Jacob DeGrom, Max Scherzer, and I don't know who you want to say is their third. Maybe, maybe it's Chris Bassett, who I would probably say is third, although Chris Bassett has been struggling lately. But you say Chris Bassett, Carlos Carrasco, Tywin Walker, one of those three. That top two, Scherzer and DeGrom, that's incredible. But is it better than saying that you have to go against Max Freed, Charlie Morton, Kyle Wright, Spencer Strider. I don't think so. I think I would take the Braves over the Mets. Don't get me wrong. DeGrom and Scherzer both fully healthy. That's better than that's better than the Braves with the Braves' top two could roll out. But when you add in the other two starters, when you start talking about Max, and I would actually honestly say Spencer Strider is already the second best, but let's just say Max and Kyle Wright this season. If you take Max and Kyle Wright, you feel good about being able to win a game as long as you can score three runs. Uh, now, DeGrom and Scherzer, you feel like you only have to score one run. With Max, you feel like there's a lot of times you only have to score one, maybe two. Um, but then you start factoring in Spencer Strider, who 
let's not I, let's not sell Spencer short. A lot of times we're trying to not go overly over the top when we're talking about a rookie. We're trying not to go too hyped on a rookie. But I don't feel like you really can do that with Spencer. I think, if anything, we keep chronically underselling Spencer because we just keep waiting for his arm to kind of give out, for him to get tired. And you're just not seeing any evidence of it. His last time out there, yes, it was against the Phillies. But again, it was facing them two times in a row. He went six and two-thirds, three hits, one earned run, one walk, 13 Ks, a new career high for Spencer Strider, and what was the best start for him this season. That was an 81-game score for Spencer. Topped his previous highs. of He had two of that were 79s back at the beginning of July against Cincinnati and St. Louis. And he's not doing it against nothing teams. He's just genuinely been one of the most electric arms in baseball. That puts him at a 279 ER over the 198 FIP. He's been... Not just not just the best rookie pitcher in baseball. He's been legitimately one of the best arms in baseball. When you look at him this year, he's been worth three F war as a pitcher. That's awesome for a guy that's got 87 innings. So his next start out, he's gonna break his innings. He's gonna break his his max innings. We'll see how he continues. I loved what he had to say in the post game about innings limits that he feels fine and kind of thrown out a challenge to everybody saying. For sure that he's going to have to get cut down. Trying to say, well, if everybody's an expert, I'd love to hear from them. Uh, And I I love that. If he's not showing you any signs that he's fatiguing, that he has to change anything, then why just assume that he does? He's got them thick old quads and that thick lower half for a reason. His 9900 does not look violent or difficult. His mechanics are really, really sound. Uh, And I, I just love what we're seeing from Spencer. And I'm at the point now where this seems kind of like blasphemy to say. But I think we're getting to a point where we're going to look at Spencer Strider, and instead of just asking, you know, is he the number two on the Braves, I love Max Fried more than most people do. And Max Fried is the most undersold starting pitcher in baseball. But there's a very real chance that Spencer Strider ends up the most dominant pitcher that we've seen from the Braves in a very long time and could be a more dominant pitcher than Max Fried, particularly if this ability that he has to be extremely efficient throwing two pitches and really relying on just one. If he's able to continue carrying this and add more of his changeup into the mix and continue going six innings, seven innings into games while still keeping that, that velocity, there's no telling how good Spencer can be. I put a tweet out. I can't remember if it was Tuesday or if it was yesterday talking about Spencer Strider and how, just how crazy it is that in a five round draft, the Braves were able to get Spencer Strider in the fourth round and watch a guy become a better version of Dylan Cease. And Dylan Cease, if you guys don't watch a lot of the White Sox, Dylan Cease is an incredible talent. One another reason I laugh at, at the Cubs for trading Cease and Aloy Jimenez for Jose Quintana. Dylan Cease is an incredible arm. He's got a 201 ERA with a 275. He's a guy that when he broke into baseball as a, as a prep arm coming out of high school, he was throwing 100 to 102. Had some arm injuries, toned it down to about 97 now as a starter. When you look at him, he kind of he averages 97 on his fastball. 2020 he averaged about 97 and a half. He can reach back and go 100 if he needs to. But he's a guy that's at 3.3 F4 this year in 116 innings. He's another guy about 12 and a half strikeouts. The big difference between Cease and Strider is that Strider just doesn't walk people. Spencer right now, or I should say Cease right now has a 3.86 walks per nine. Spencer's right now. It's really, really good. Spencer Strider's right now, and this is also including his time as a reliever, is 3-3-1. 
Now, if you look at it as just as a starter, this is where things get really exciting because you don't typically see a guy jump from the bullpen into the rotation and all of a sudden he's a better pitcher than he was. Well, with Spencer, that is the case. Spencer has been a much better starter than he has as a reliever. As a starter, Spencer, 13.8 strikeouts per nine, 302 walks per nine. As a reliever, 13.7 strikeouts per nine, so pretty close in case, four walks per nine. Spencer's just absolutely insane. A 219 FIP and a 229 XFIP as a starter. Not a 143 FIP as a reliever, but his XFIP was 272. A .97 whip as a starter for Spencer Strider. Just unreal numbers, 38% strikeout percentage, whether it's as a starter or a reliever. He's, he's quickly going to be approaching, if he carries this over next year and doesn't have a big wear down opportunity, he's going to get Cy Young votes, and he's going to absolutely deserve them. Now, he's not going to win Cy Young. It's obviously going to be Sandy Alcantara. And I should actually preface that by saying Sandy should be a unanimous Cy Young, um, maybe in the coming years. But I think absolutely, if it weren't for what Sandy Alcantara was doing, then Spencer Strider would be my Cy Young favorite. I think he's been the second best pitcher in the National League. I think he's been a top five pitcher in baseball. And on Sunday, we're going to get to see Spencer Strider matched up with Jacob DeGrom. That is going to be incredible. And I know I'm going to get a lot of flack for saying this. Now, Jacob DeGrom is my favorite player in baseball to watch. I think he's the most talented player at his position than anyone else in baseball. And I know it's been a while since we've seen DeGrom and what Sandy Alcantara is doing. He's got a lot of people thinking Sandy is a better pitcher than Jacob DeGrom. I don't think so. Sandy's healthier, and that's a big key component. But it's like the Mike Trout thing. Uh, I think Juan Soto, you could say, is the most valuable bat to have because he's going to be in more games. But he's not better than Mike Trout. And it's the same thing with Jacob DeGrom. Sandy's going to be able to pitch more games, which is more valuable for you. But there's a difference between being more valuable and being better. And there's no one on the planet like Jacob deGrom. There's no one that paints 102 like Jacob deGrom. But he's going to be taking on a guy in Spencer that he might not be spotting up 102, although we've seen him do that. But he's going to paint 99-100 right at the top of the zone. And he's going to make life miserable for you. I cannot wait to see that matchup. I think it's going to be outstanding. The Braves, I'll be interested to see how they handle deGrom. I'll be interested to see how far the Mets want to push DeGrom, knowing that if they have any postseason hope, like for sustained, po- for sustained postseason success, it's going to rely on DeGrom. I, I'm, that's my favorite matchup. I think it's my favorite matchup of the year, but that's not the only good matchup we'll get in that series. We're also supposed to be getting, for one of the outings tomorrow, we should also be, or on, I can't remember if this is Friday or if it's Saturday, should be Saturday, one of the two games, because Saturday's a doubleheader, the early game, the one ten start, that should be Max Fried and Max Scherzer. Again, just an incredible matchup. Scherzer's been incredible this year. Freed is having his best season yet. Freed in 132 and a third innings, only 24 walks compared to 122 Ks. Max Freed in 88, or Max Scherzer in 88 and two thirds innings, 17 walks and 109 Ks. Scherzer with a 213 ERA. Freed with a 258. The whips are very close. Scherzer's is, nine, is 0.92. Max's is 107. Max has been just his, his stellar self, like usual. I, I just said, a four-win pitcher this year. I think he's the most underrated pitcher in baseball. I think he's the best lefty in baseball. And I think if you're more of a higher strikeout guy, he'd get a lot more love. Just doesn't walk anybody. Just doesn't give up home runs. Just an incredible pitcher. 50% ground balls. He's got a 247 FIP. Incredible, incredible arm. You look at Scherzer. I've said this all along. 
I am not concerned with Max Scherzer as it pertains to facing the Braves. Yes, there are outings where he's going to come out and just clean you because he's Max Scherzer and he can still do that. He's also 38 years old. The Braves have faced him a million times. I am not as concerned with Max Scherzer, who himself, 11 Ks per nine, under two walks per nine, under a home run allowed per nine, having a great year. 213 ERA, but he's got a 264 FIP. So he and Max really have been nearly dead equal pitchers this season. And you know I'm not going to ride with anybody over Max Freed. I'm going to always take Max Freed in that matchup. I think that the Braves are, are just a stellar team, and I think this is a chance for them to really prove it. And not just prove it, but to really dash a lot of the Mets' hopes. The Mets have been riding high, and they should. They've played some great baseball all year long. Uh, the Braves came within, what, half a game of the division lead at one point, and now the Mets have kind of gotten a little bit of wins back underneath them. Yeah, they got to pick off the Nationals, but they also they also took two games out of a two-game series against the Yankees, and that ain't easy to do against this Yankees team. So it's a genuinely good Mets team. I just don't think it's going to matter. The Braves are just better. We'll see it this weekend. I can't wait to see that. And even more impressive for me, and I mentioned the Austin-Riley extension on Tuesday because how could you not? Because it's just so incredible. But I think one of the things that we didn't get to talk about enough is... Alex's assertion that because of Braves fans showing up and showing out at the battery, they were able to make that move with that money and not blink an eye. And I don't think that should go understated. The Braves right now are a top five type payroll. They're over a $200 million payroll. Yes, they got a lot of money potentially coming off the books next offseason. But I don't think it's I don't think we're just at this realm of hey, they got a lot coming off the books so they can add a bunch. I think we're genuinely at this point where Braves fans, and you guys should all give yourselves a pat on the back for this. Braves fans are so nuts about the Braves. They're so great at showing up and showing out at the battery that Liberty Media is just printing money. And as long as the Braves are good and the fans show you that they're going to keep coming for as much as you put out for the team, they're going to keep putting that money back into the Braves. So we keep looking at this roster, and I and the, the thought is there's no way they're going to pay Dansby Swanson $25 million. They're not going to give him a seven-year deal. He's probably gone. What are we going to do at shortstop next year? I'm not going to count it out that Dansby's back as a shortstop. I think that it's very possible that he gets an extension done before this season is over. Now, I do think he would take a little bit of a discount to stay with the Braves. I know he's got the same management as Freddie, but I will guarantee you after that debacle with Freddie Freeman that that – Dancy Swanson is going to be the one in control of all offers that are going in and out from his camp. He's going to make sure his agency is actually hitting him with every single offer, and he's always going to be in the room. I think there's a chance that you get Dansby for 5-18, and 18, we'll say. I think that that's pretty good. I think, is he worth more? Yeah. I think the season he's had... I think Dansby could, conceivably anyway, I think Dansby could go as high as 5 and 125. I don't know that anybody's going to break off more than 25 for a guy like Dansby who's really only had one year of sustained success, but you are talking about the premier defensive shortstop on the market, along with Correa, if Correa opts out, but Correa's got that injury history. Dansby doesn't have the same type of injury history. He's always playing. He's The last two years, he's been the preeminent defensive shortstop in the National League and one of the best in all of baseball. This year, he's been the best in baseball. I think he's more than likely looking at a five-year 100 deal. Now, I do think the Braves could swoop in at a 5-18, and 18, maybe even give him a, with an optional six-year to take it to, let's say, 
110, something like that. I think Dansby obviously wants to be in Atlanta. It's a good fit for him. The team doesn't have a lot of holes outside of that. You brought in Jake Odorizzi in the Will Smith deal, and I think Jake Odorizzi's a guy that opens you up to, depending on what, what happens with Charlie Morton, whether he retires or the Braves don't pick up his option or whatever, you have a guy in Jake Odorizzi who could step in and be the fifth member of that rotation next year. You've got guys like Schuster and Tarnock who look like they're knocking on the door. I think I'm not ready to give up on Waskari Noah. Uh, the, the team certainly isn't ready to give up on Kyle Muller. I think that there's a real opportunity. Jacob deGrom is going to opt out of his contract. And I think, and this seems so insane to me to say, there's a very real chance that the Braves go all in and bring in Jacob deGrom and re-sign Dansby Swanson. I think there's a very real opportunity that we're looking at a Braves team next year that has Jacob deGrom, Max Freed, Spencer Strider, Kyle Wright, all in the rotation. And I think that you could still see this lineup the exact same as you're seeing it now. Ozzy Albies will be back in it. I think that there's a real chance for the Braves to go out. And if they go out and they add a Jacob deGrom, that's going to be a big finger in the eye of the Dodgers and the Mets and everyone that's always thought, hey, Atlanta's not going to spend. Because if they go out and get deGrom, and I don't know if it's going to be a long deal. Uh, I, I, Jacob's not getting a, a, a long-term deal at this point unless somebody just goes crazy. I would look more towards... I mean, I'd break him off. I'd go, I'd go three. <laughs> to be honest, it's not my money. Uh, I would honestly, I'd probably go, I'd probably go three years and a hundred million. To be honest, I mean, I would probably do that. And I don't know if Jacob Degrom would do that. It's Thirty-three million a year. I mean, he could probably. the The injury thing is going to really mess with Jacob Degrom's market. But if you can get him on a three-year deal, I think that if you go three years, you could you could tell me any number three and one twenty. As long as Liberty Media think that that number's fine, I would be fine with that too. You got yes, you got to be concerned with injuries. The Braves have enough starting pitching depth, right? Still be okay anyway. But just to see Jacob Degrom on this team in a Braves uniform with Matt Olson under control, Austin Riley under control, Ronald Acuna, Ozzy Albies, all under control, long term, the Braves are a dynasty. And I'll go ahead and say they're going to be a dynasty. We're going to look back in 10 years, 15, 20 years, and we're going to say that this this iteration of the Braves, the 2020 Braves, is the best Braves dynasty we've ever seen. I fully believe that. The Braves have a real chance to not just go to a World Series this year, but win one. I'm not worried about playing the Dodgers. The Padres, I don't like playing their lineup, but I'm not, I am not worried about the Braves playing anyone in a series. I think this Braves team can hang with anyone. As long as there's no day games. Day games is a little bit of a different story. And obviously that's one of those weird things that's happening this year that you don't really have an explanation for. It's just not happening this year. But I think this Braves team genuinely is one of the best teams in baseball, top to bottom. I don't think they have a real weakness, particularly when Ozzy gets back, which is looking like the middle of September now. Uh, I, I don't see a big glaring weakness on this team. At any point, you're going to have Robbie Grossman or, or Eddie Rosario on the bench, depending on who's starting. You've got William Contreras there. You've got just a, a, a glut, and Arcia will be back on the bench, a glut of talent right there. And I think that's one of those key differences for the Braves is the depth that they can have now where Arcia, we've seen him be great in short bursts. We've seen him do a really good job, a really commendable job filling in for Ozzy Albies. Eddie Rosario or, Rob, or Robbie Grossman, whoever's not starting that night off of the bench, William Contreras is a big-time bopper. And if he's behind the plate, then you've got one of Travis Darno or Marcelo Zuna on the bench. This is a team that can do damage. And you went out and you got Adrian Adrianza to be the 26th man on the roster, basically, a guy that can play every area and give any of your infielders a night off. 
this is a team that can go deep into the postseason. As long as they get there, which they're going to, the Braves are a team that, yeah, they're built to be a 100-win type of team in the regular season. But more than that, they're a team that is built for the postseason. I cannot wait to see it. Tonight is a, the start of a big-time series. The Braves have a chance to really put the Mets in their place this series. It starts tonight, 7-10. It's going to be really when the coverage starts. It's probably 7-20 first pitch. I should probably know that for you guys. Um, that's just a bad job by me. Yes, it is going to be a 7-10 first pitch tonight in New York. Kyle Wright versus Carlos Carrasco. Can't wait to see it, but we'll be back uh, again on Tuesday here for the 643 podcast or on Saturday morning where I will be gushing over the trade deadline for those that didn't hear the podcast and we'll be looking at the first few games of the Braves-Mets series on 680 The Fan every Saturday morning, 9 to 11. Make sure you tune in this month because coming up in September, it'll be Buck Blue taking his Saturday, his college football Saturday show back in that time slot, so... Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen with 643 as far as Saturday mornings. It might end up going a little bit later on Saturdays, or we might just go to be a podcast-only format until then. We'll see what happens going forward. A lot of that's going to have to do with the Braves. But for now, I'm going to sign off. Thank you guys so much. And I'll catch you again on Tuesday here for the 643 Podcast. That's all, folks. Is this the year you want to grow your business? Do you want to expand your team? Build a new office? Hey, it's Tug, and I want to tell you about First Liberty Building and Loan. Aren't you exhausted by going to lenders, building a relationship, and a week later, you're dealing with a new person? You won't have to with First Liberty Building and Loan. The Frost family has been helping businesses grow since the 90s, and they can help you too. They know the patterns, they know the ebbs and flows, and they know business. Now the Frost family wants to know you. FirstLibertyGA.com. Buying a building, building a building, buying a franchise, or expanding. Reach out and spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a fit for them and if they're a fit for you. FirstLibertyGA.com. By the way, if you're a young banker and you want to work with a team that's faith-friendly with a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to First Liberty Building and Loan at FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com.